0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Friday, August 9th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We were in Culver for Notre Dame's final practice of five in Culver before moving back to Notre Dame. And it was enlightening. We had an opportunity to see the quarterbacks throw the football much better than they had. Uh, These are some of the things that we talked about in our incident analysis. The running backs were physical. Of course, everybody by now knows the extent of Cole Komet's injury. It's a broken collarbone and we'll also talk about Julian O'Quara coming off the edge again and again and again. And some positive news from the the kicking game. But let's, um, well, you know what, let's start with the injury. Um, we suspected that it could be severe, and it is. It's a broken collarbone for Cole Komet. We've heard three to six weeks. I'm not going to go by three to six weeks until I have some evidence that he is ahead of schedule we're looking at more like six to eight we're going to play doctor here and look at six to eight weeks until we hear otherwise your thoughts on Comet and i and i'm the last guy to be a hot take guy when it comes to things like this but a lot of people are upset with alohi gilman being too physical with cole Comet.
1: your thoughts on that situation well we might have the precursor to that, because in the podcast we said Gilman is extremely physical, and I, I just assumed it was going to happen again like it did in the spring, where Komet's going to come down on him and twist his ankle, hurt his ankle. Aloy Gilman is a head smaller than Komet, and he guards people like flypaper. So when he's fighting Komet for a well-thrown ball that's high, you have to get into him to break up the pass. That's his job. You have to do it. There's no other way to break up a pass to Cole Komet if you're 5'11". That's what he did, and he landed on him. I mean, it's just going... It's a live drill. He goes 100. percent You can't be mad at Alohi Gilman for going. To li- if Alohi Gilman hit him late, because he's all fired up, that's different, right? I mean, you have to go hard. Uh, to quote my son's pediatrician, who was asking me about Colcomit's collarbone just an hour ago, he's like, "God," but that's why I love him. Um, you Gil- know, I mean, Gilman, it, you mean? yeah, Gilman. Yes, that's yes. like that's just the DNA of Alohi Gilman, and like, you're not gonna just give up on a competitive catch. Whether you're a Lohie Gilman or not, you shouldn't do that. That's um, not even a situation where they say stay up. They no. have they have stay up drills. You know when you're tackling, it's well, I should not call tackling. That's not one of them. That's not a stay up drill. No, That's a it's go not. play.
0: Yeah, I guess I can. I guess I can somewhat see it. I, I now okay now here okay here's the deal. We're charting play, so we see a play, boom. I turn back and you're ready for the next one. So it did. I mean, did Gilman follow through and land on top of him and try to drive him into the ground? I don't even know. That I don't know. He just just landed. I remember watching the
1: contact. They go up. They're both off the ground. By definition, you have no balance when you're in the air. And Gilman's in you. I, I mean, met, he is just a... He's fighting. great at that. Yes, he's absolutely Yeah, fighting for the ball. It. He kind of cradles it coming down, and then Gilman lands on top of him because he can't yeah. move himself in midair. I'm not, right.
0: I'm not saying that I disagree with the notion that Gilman did exactly what he should have done. Here's I'm not, not I, saying Here's that. what I would say.
1: If it was any other DB, that wouldn't have happened because they don't play the way Alohi Gilman plays.
0: That's He fair. really gets into an yeah. offensive player, and that is his game. It's scramble... You know, scramble and push and tug and pull until the ball comes loose. Pride
1: has made a bit of a strides in that too. He gets into Claypool. Claypool is going out there with some reckless abandon and going after the ball.
0: I, I, I love I,
1: it. But I mean, Claypool, if three times Claypool couldn't get up right away, you know, he's just not. I love that. the yeah. way, this is a little off topic
0: of what we're talking about here, but I mean, I love the way that Chase Claypool practiced in the spring the way he's practicing yeah. now. He is a. He is a no-nonsense... He's going for it, man. Every 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 rep counts. Yep. Every play counts. Uh, no reaction to anything other than get up and go back. Uh, he he was a little bit hobbled yesterday at one point and just go make a play again. I love where his head is. Um, with regard to the quarterbacks, they just threw it much better. They just threw it much better. I mean, I just... We said this in an instant analysis. You can see the difference when Dracovic just... Hey, just throw it, man. The The... The arm speed is the where it should be. It's when he's thinking about it that the arm speed slows down, and then you get the wobbly passes. He threw it well. Brendan Clark threw it well. It's the way a quarterback group should look at a practice,
1: even in practice five of the preseason. It's clear one, two, three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yep. And I think since the week before the spring game, or even before spring practice started, what I wanted to see most from Phil Dracovic is convince me that you're an able number two yesterday he was definitely an able number two yes. that's and that's a big development for Notre Dame. yeah because we're not even talking about his ability to run we're not making an excuse for that he needs to be able to do it he just stepped stood back there and threw in one-on-one seven on seven 11 on 11 he just played quarterback in a red jersey so that unle- unleash him in a blue jersey is even better Right? Want, yeah,
0: I mean, you yeah. want, you wonder why it takes so long, and you hope it sticks now. But the fact of the matter is, he came out and he played yesterday. Yeah. And Brendan Clark was way better than he was on Sunday as well.
1: Yeah, we'll give him the mulligan for Sunday. I mean, he had, he <laughs> right. had, yeah. he had four times as much practice experience by the time <laughs> yeah, we saw This is guy. true.
0: He's a he's a, yeah. he's a uh, preseason veteran yeah. by now. You know, one of the things that, that Chip Long told me uh, upon the hiring of Lance Taylor as the running backs coach was that, he said, "You watch how more how physical our running backs will be now. We saw a ton of evidence of that yesterday."
1: Yeah, that was good. I mean, I yeah. thought that uh, the one that stood out to me mostly was probably Jafar Armstrong at the goal line, uh, where he ran into both Gilman State. and State. Elliott yeah. and got through both of them enough that Gilman got knocked out of the practice. Um, the contact was that physical. I didn't, I didn't necessarily know if Jafar Har- Armstrong had that in him. Um, and I think you guys commented maybe after the Sunday practice about Tony Jones and just sort of the way he's put together. There's, there's much more of a forward lean, and he wears 225 or 220 yeah. a lot better than he ever has before. There's not that little tiptoe where he starts going sideways to turn, where it also takes a month and a half for him to make the yeah. turn. He's just, he just hits it and goes. They're not getting him on the first contact. That's, that's the key. They're not getting Tony Jones on first contact right
0: now. No, and I and I really don't think you're, generally speaking, you're not going to get Jafar Armstrong yeah. on first contact. Now, Tagovailoa Mosa did on a really, really nice play at the goal line. Uh, but I'm confident. You know, what I really liked was, remember early in the practice when it was the kind of the open field one-on-one tackling, which was a clear advantage for the offense, the offensive players. The more room you create in those one-on-ones, the greater the advantage for the offensive player. And you saw to a man those running backs playing physically, including Kyron Williams, who I I, I really like. You do too, Tim. Yeah. I know I really like what we're seeing of Kyron Williams.
1: My note on Williams today in the depth chart column is take all the guys that aren't going to start. He's one of the most impressive right now. Collect all the people that aren't going to start. That's you good, know, th- there's a lot a of guys that are going to start in a game, about 35 people. Kyron Williams looks... He's just clearly not going to start this year. He's a true freshman, and he has two physical upperclassmen running, and, even, and three, in and Jameer Smith, maybe. But I just love the way he runs. He also doesn't go down on first contact, because he spins out of it at the low center of gravity, like Lucas breaks tackles. Yeah, spin. I mean, you're, you're sort of asking, like, who are the most impressive third-teamers? Yeah, yeah, he's not going to start this year. But yeah, Justin Adamololo, Kyron right. right. Williams, um, you know, beyond that, I'm not... It's kind of a weird game to play. Who's your best third team player? <laughs> Tremble flashes. To... Tremble flashes, and now he's a second. Yeah, he team. does. Well, he does. He does flash. He just gets uh, in more trouble than other people. Yeah. A go row would be one of mine. Yeah, he yeah. he's second team now, though. He, is, he yeah. keeps doing it. Yeah, because yeah. in addition to Cole Komet, Houston Griffith, DJ Brown, Avery Davis, all out or limited yesterday, It really was kind of a, a mix and match day for the secondary. We saw. We saw DJ Brown. We didn't see anybody else really change fields. DJ Brown really had trouble page fields. it feels. He's, look, again, you're saying, like, well, walking, jogging. Yeah. So you know, gingerly trying to yeah. get over there. Not that he was, like, couldn't get there, but obviously he wouldn't have tried, because it was about a 50-yard walk, but it's foot or ankle or something. He was just, yeah. he's not coming. He won't see him on Saturday, either, I don't think. Uh,
0: nor, I don't know that we saw Khalid Kareem necessarily do anything that stood out yesterday, yeah. but his his bookend partner there, Julian O'Quara, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun for us to, to talk about a guy like this, because you, you know that he's going to get in game situations. He's, he's got a ton of experience. He's got a ton of ability. And he is about to abuse a whole bunch of offensive
1: tackles this season. A third and nine at Louisville for the first time. Nobody listening has to watch anybody else on that play. He is coming. <laughs> and if he's not getting there, there's three guys. So somebody else got there because of it. He'll that first third and nine good. is going to be
0: lights out. Yeah, he's just, he's just you know, and again... Another guy when 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 we're watching flex and they're just jogging and they're getting loose, we at the same time we were like, look at Julian O'Quara. I mean, he just he's I don't know how much bigger he is he's almost ten pounds
1: more. I told you he was impressive in that interview. <laughs> you on did. He, he was just, just standing there. Yeah. No. He's no just, pads either. That's no. I, yeah. I mean, it's, hit Julian O'Quara, Andrew Thomas. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, from the Georgia game. If that's a matchup that happens, which hopefully it will, it will be, it will. It's at some point. Yeah. Um, that's going to be you know kind of in the Will Fuller or Dory Jackson uh that caliber yeah. of NFL prospect matchup you don't you don't get to see that a whole lot so that that's going to be a lot of fun the fun part with the choir yesterday was there's about I don't know, 18 of us sitting in the vicinity of each other on the top of the bleachers. And just a couple times, everybody's like, oh! And, and, and
0: at one time, Samson was
1: looking at the linebackers, and he missed and we were like, whoa! Yeah. We're like, what? what did I miss? Yeah, I think I was watching Duke, J.D. Bertrand and Jack Lamb. You <laughs> take two steps forward, and the play was already over. Um, yeah, Julian Acquire was, was, was just unbelievable. It was. That was fun to watch. He's really good. I mean, as as good as
0: he looked last year, you can you can say right now. Well, oh, it's not even the same player. I, it's like he's better. He's going to be better. He's stronger, um, and his quickness is just outstanding. And so, uh, Notre Dame's got some good things going on at defensive end, no doubt about it. Now. We're not saying, you know, we're not saying. And everybody's asking for our, our judgment on the 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 who's going to be the kicker. I, all we can say is yesterday, Harrison Leonard, for the first time, we saw him line up. His longest kick was forty-two. When we did answer analysis, I was I was going to say forty-seven. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. They stopped him at forty-two. He, okay. he didn't have as many attempts as as Jonathan Dorr did. But Jonathan Dorr was four of seven. Uh, And Harrison Leonard was 5 for 5. And the thing that impressed me was that all five kicks looked identical. Other than the distance. That was my takeaway. All five kicks looked identical. They shot off his foot. They spun the same way. Our angle didn't allow us to see exactly where they went through the uprights. But we
1: know that the officials raised their arms after each of the (laughs) five kicks. Of note, um, Jonathan Dora was the special teams MVP the day before. That's relevant to this kicking battle. For everybody listening. Yeah, Oddly... Jalen Elliott was special teams MVP yesterday and I don't remember a live special teams rep that included a football, so I would have chose Harrison Leonard as a special teams MVP yesterday for that kicking performance. Did you see Jalen Elliott was special teams I MVP? Did. I, what did they do? I mean, All Julian, they did was it have been work. Julian O'Quara for our office yeah. defense <laughs> yes. <and> special teams. <laughs> I don't remember a live rep. Spe- they, re- they did a lot of skeleton special teams. Maybe it could, could have just- been Brian Polian for his like shifty punt return that he had out there. I enjoyed watching that. Um, yeah, it's- Harrison Leonard's kicks look like How I want the ball to look like coming off a a kicker's foot, Jonathan Doors don't. They might go to the same spot, but it just does not look right to me. It's
0: interesting because they're built quite differently. I mean, Jonathan Doors is a a good six foot three. Uh, I don't know what Harrison Leonard's
1: listed at, but he's he's,
0: yeah. I mean, he's squat. He's he's
1: kind of stout. Um, Yeah, he's stout. He's he's saying all the euphemisms here.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, they only have him listed at two oh three, but he's also five ten and three So I mean I guess that kinda of makes sense. But Number 98's ball, not doing him yeah, any favors no, either. No, <laughs> The ball shot off his foot all five yeah. times. It was really impressive and there was no there was certainly never any doubt of whether it was going to get there, whereas the one fifty yarder by door, which again is eight yards longer than anything Leonard attempted, uh, fell well short. Um, but it's impressive. We'll see where it takes us. Certainly, it's a question to ask a Brian Kelly Saturday after practice. Yes. Especially if we um, see them kick again. So, Anything else you guys want to address in Segment 1? We've got a whole bunch of questions uh, to address in Segment 2. I think
1: that's what we got Segment 2 for. <laughs> Are we good? That's what we have
0: Segment 2 for. We'll be back with burning up the boards in a bit. Burning Up the Boards brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with 1,000 weekend home rentals close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish game days. Irish Illustrated readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. We start Burning Up the Boards with a question from P.D. Halls. In order for the offense to become more dangerous, the tight ends need to be more of a downfield threat. With the optimism surrounding Comet and a trim down Brock Wright, what kind of receiving numbers are plausible for this position? Obviously, this question was asked before Cole Komet suffered an injury. Um, I would I would recommend people to check out my uh, the impact of Cole Komet's injury on Irish Illustrated today because, I mean, we talk about what was expected with Cole Komet. Last year's tight ends caught 56 passes. With six touchdowns, I think we were kind of looking at something possibly okay. comparable to that, but with Komet alone, yeah. yes. Uh, but it changes now.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that they have the, the ability to sort of stretch the field with the tight end anymore, you know, depending on, let's just say Colcomet's out uh, indefinitely. You know, Brock Wright, I think, is a really good tight end. Uh, I think he's more capable than Mac or Wisher last year. Um you know, could he be Durham Smythe level? Yeah. I think that's that's probably more the style of tight end we're talking about. Um and Brock Wright was really good yesterday when we were out there. He caught touchdowns on back to back passes and one was against Gilman, the other was against Pride. So I I like the idea of Brock Wright as Notre Dame's starting tight end. I am not as excited about Tommy Tremble as the number two. I, I think that's where the big drop off. Is. I loved the idea of Tommy Trumbull as the number three. Yes, carving out the niche and finding. T- yeah, I don't. The number two. I don't think they're. I don't think they'll do the twelve package as much. I think the two running back sets we have seen worked in a little bit will be used more mm-hmm. with, with Jafar yeah, Armstrong I, and Tony Jones. And then you know you can obviously they have other guys that too. That was actually one of the things I didn't
0: mention uh, in the story. But you're absolutely right. You're going to see less double tight end certainly than you would have. I, I think Trumbull... You know, what, what Chip Long was excited about is the way that Cole Comet they could exploit the, the, the scene. He's a difference maker. Brock Wright's a very
1: good tight end. Yeah, and Tommy that's Tommy not, what, that's and not how you want to use yeah.
0: Brock Wright. Maybe you can try to use Tommy Trimble that way, the way you were planning on using Comet in certain situations. But, um, you know, it's an it's an aspect of the offense that is lost. I don't think it's as important as you know, losing one of your top three wide receivers. No, I don't either. Or one of your top two running backs if you're going to rate an injury, I yep. guess. Um, you know, I'm sure Cole Komet looks at it differently. But, um, you know, but it's still a blow because it's an aspect of your offense that you were hoping to exploit that you're probably going to have a very difficult
1: time doing that
0: now. I th-
1: yeah, I just say the personnel aspect of it there. It's like it's the obusu Koromoa effect where, like, we're going to nickel, but we can leave this outside linebacker on the field, like, Cole Komet, they could be in 12 personnel, but really it's three wide because Cole Komet can play it like yeah. a receiver. Right. Or Good they point. can have Cole Komet out there with three receivers, Claypool, Young, Fink, and almost be like in a four wide set because Cole Komet can play it like a receiver. Brock Wright can't play it like a receiver. He's a tight end. Cole Komet's sort of like, an athlete who can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think they have to replace it in the aggregate.
0: They do, and let me throw in this question, which is a follow-up, with the knowledge that Cole Komets heard, and that is: Do Wright and Tremble possess the goods to allow Chip Long's general approach slash game planning to go unchanged? Our answer to that is no. And then, will Notre Dame still attack vertically with the tight ends? You're not I mean, we didn't mention we didn't mention Tackus. You're, you're you're probably not going to do that with him. Uh, maybe Tremble. You know, I. I they don't have a lot of red zone, you know, jump ball uh, options. Uh, Claypool is one. Comet was the other. Kyle, Hamilton's Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is a pie is a possibility that that you know comes into play now. Um, I think with Tremble,
1: it is all about when Chip Long ends up trusting him again completely. Because obviously, we all have ears. So next year, we have ears and we we're sitting. No but I field.
0: thought yeah, oh, yeah, he tore him up, but I thought he bounced back out he, he that. did
1: well, he made a great competitive catch against Gilman, although as Pete pointed out, Gilman made such a good play, he almost smashed it into Tremble's arms on the sideline yeah. on that corner out, yeah. but he caught it and it yeah. was it was a nice juggling catch, um yeah, chip long uh. Was displeased with a few displeased things. Displeased yesterday. Yeah. So that he'll have to gain, obviously, have to gain that. Well, you know what? He's going to get a chance to gain it because now you can't, he's got to get more reps. He will get more reps. So he has every chance to get back into that. Or lose it. I mean, honestly. Of I mean, course. This is this is where I could really go south for him if he has a few bad days in a row. And that it's just like, dude, we need you to be a reliable part of what we're doing yeah. opposed to like running around with the twos and sort of learning. No, as I, you go. I, I mean, I think from that standpoint,
0: I think he will. Now, how high is the ceiling? In 2019 for Tommy Trimble, well, certainly not as high as it's going to be because he's just getting his feet wet. But, you know, I mean, to have three scholarship, to have three healthy scholarship tight ends the first month of the season, that's not an ideal situation at all. Um,
1: No, especially because, like, Takis has been hurt. Trimble missed his entire senior season. Brock Wright's also been hurt. It's a it's a car crash position. It yeah. always has been. It always will be. They're probably going to lose another guy. At some yeah.
0: Point. And our third tight end question from JC Soup Forty: Do you see anyone moving to tight end with the injury to commit? Maybe Isaiah Foskey?
1: No. Uh, no. No for Foskey. No on the Foskey. Yeah. Uh, and probably no on the other stuff. I just you play with fewer tight ends. I mean, I just, you're stuck in a one tight end only or two backs, three receivers world for a little bit. I think you might lose. Uh, like, commit, uh, not commit, uh, Brock Wright was going to, because I've watched <laughs> Brian Kelly coach 10 years of special teams, Brock Wright was going to be blocking on kickoff returns as the number two tight end. They always do. Sure. Last year they had two, three, and four out there. Yeah. You might do not that. do that this year. Yeah. And I don't know, if, I mean, <clears throat> Tremble, I guess, Brian Kelly, when he joined our instant analysis, mentioned, he actually is pretty <laughs> good uh, on, as an on-the-move blocker. Well, that's a little bit of, of, of kick return, too. He Tremble could probably be out there. Takis is now out there. This is who they put out there. They don't. This is it, not a mystery. Is, I mean, that's I, who they put you, out there. You, you really can't do have
0: right. to. You really ha- no. You can't do right. I, I think you really have to question whether you can do either the two other guys. You're just so thin there. Um, you know, Jack Hennig is a 240 pound walk on. I don't know if he'll get a he chance is, to do that. He'll get a chance to do that. Yes, yeah. yeah, on special teams. <laughs> what other? I mean, I, I started looking. Okay, who, what other positions? I mean. Micah Jones is playing in the slot. I guess you could make him a tight end. I'm not sure he's tough enough to be a tight end. Um, is there an offensive lineman that you could could you move like in a in, you know in run yeah. situation a Cole Mabry that you line up?
1: I mean, they there? have six offensive lineman it. sets in the playbook. We saw it against Pittsburgh, yeah, I think, it. last year. But you're you're just not going to move anyone to tight end. Like that's you're just going to. You're gonna play with what you got.
0: That's why I said maybe situationally you could take. I'm just Cole Mabry is a guy that maybe, you know, in a short yardage situation you get him reps and you line him up next to the tackle and maybe he can do something for you.
1: Yeah, last year was Aaron Bakes before he was a starter. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you yep. could you could go bigger and go stronger then. Josh Lugg to do that. Josh yes. Lug could play tight end. Josh Lug in could do that too. Stanford
1: kind of way. That
0: if they're going to do anything, that would be – I think situationally they'd look at a guy and mm-hmm. say, okay, we can stick him there, on a you know on a third and one. Um, it's unfortunate
1: at D O Carroll one, what's going on with the Mike and Buck linebackers? I could just leave it right there. (laughs) I thought they would be settling in on a rotation, but there seems to be a lot of uncertainty.
0: Well, I mean, we said in the spring and the summer and going into the fall, that this is a competition that could continue through August and maybe even into the season. Uh, I guess we kind of made it sound like, you know, I said, Jack Lamb's going to be the Mm -hmm. starter. Um, Bilal, fits the mic position, and we know about Ousu koromoa But they were still in Culver. It is still the first week of football uh, practice. And, I mean, I can understand them giving each of the guys an opportunity to work
1: with the first unit. I don't know if that's exactly what they did. I feel like Brian Kelly even said that. i got to go back to this first practice transcript. Didn't he say we're going to be looking at many combinations still? Like I, I think that's just what... It's not a good thing. You want to have it. I mean, they didn't look at many combinations last year. No, they didn't have It's them. not like, this is a great problem hey, to have. Drew it's... Tranquil made an interception last I, night. I saw so that, that, and he immediately credited the pass rush in Drew Tranquil form on Twitter. I think he was probably yelling it as he was returning it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the help. Oh, already, God. got at yeah. <laughs> the pass rush. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, just,
1: they're, they're, I was surprised by Bilal at the buck. The fact that Bilal wasn't running with the first, or wasn't the starting Mike, was not a surprise, because I thought they would they would at least know what positions the guys were going to play, opposed to actually oh, moving I guys. You're saying. Okay. I two get that, positions. but maybe yeah. it's
0: a reflection of Drew White being a guy that they really like, and they prefer him at Mike.
1: Yeah, is it a reflection of Drew White? Is it a reflection of Jedmark, Heath, and Simon haven't flashed enough at Buck, and Lamb has to be in the nickel, and as we have said many times, he's not playing 800 snaps. There's so many questions I have about those two positions, because <laughs> it's a reflection on the... Question. What's going on? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Like Vince Lombardi. What's going on out there? I don't think anybody knows yet. Would you say <laughs> after five practices, we can say one, two, three at Rover right now, though? I think so. Oh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah I, I, we knew that when the spring yep. ended. And it, it, that's. Barring injury, that's not going to change. Pete Sampson's 2020 Blue Gold Game MVP with two tap sacks in the scrimmage. Jay Jack Kaiser, Kaiser woo, off <laughs> only the only guy out there that knew what he was doing, came in unblocked and sacked twice. Yep. <laughs> so that was a, uh...
0: I wouldn't, you know, I mean, everybody wants these things to be settled sooner rather than later. It's just the nature of this competition. You have no experience, uh, and they just, they're just they just checking things. They were just checking things out in... in uh, in Culver, and I, w- I w- would love to know exactly how you know, Monday through Wednesday transpired in- in as far as their different combinations and variations. So there's six
1: real candidates for those two spots, right? Bilal White, Bo Bauer, Jack Lamb, Jen Markeith, and Simon. Maybe Bertrand. As a I starter, had... he would be the 7th.
0: He, he would be the 7th. He would be the 7th. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, He does get, he does <laughs> I would, get the reps, Because I, I, right. I, yeah. I said, okay, 7 guys. You can enter to the...
1: who's your best third-team player yeah. conversation. Oh, yeah. We got a question
0: coming. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, what? You yeah. want to go <laughs> right to right the next one? Right okay, well. from Terry Benedict. What other freshman... I assume that when you say uh, what other freshmen you're excluding Hamilton, you're assuming that because he made another interception, we don't know what he did Monday through
1: Wednesday, but. <laughs> Probably four or five each what day. A,
0: what other freshmen flashed at practice? <laughs> they had to
1: hide them though, yeah. from social media. Well, I Do mean, not. he ran over Cam Hart, poor guy. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's three practices. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I watched Bertrand a little bit. I thought he was. He looked like he kind of knew what he was doing. I mean, he's certainly way ahead of uh, Lufau and. Um, Aquanu. Yeah. Aquanu didn't get time, right? No, he didn't yeah. get out there at all. Um, you know, Isaiah Foskey, I would I would I don't know when he's gonna be a good player, but I just feel like he's definitely gonna be a good player. Remember when we talked about senior Julian Aquara and we looked at him, we're like, Holy God, look at that guy. Isaiah Fosky will have that in about a year and a half. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. saying he's will be that fast. He looks he looks like a college defensive lineman out there at two hundred and fifty pounds. And yeah. he's gonna grow into two seventy five oh, yeah. I mean, in a heartbeat. There's
0: there's a lot of strength to be uh Gains, to yeah. added there to be gained, no doubt. But just that first step and quickness the way he carries himself. Um I know I know a lot of times with the early entry guys, we don't you know, when people ask about freshmen, they're asking more about the guys that are new to the the situation. But Jacob Lacey flashed yesterday It um, mm-hmm. where they back his back to back plays On cue. Right? You asked I was it. like,
1: where's Jacob Lacey? I feel like I hasn't done anything. And they had back to back really good plays. Uh and also Kaiser. Later on, back to back sacks. Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams was the most impressive, as I said, for the young guys that aren't going to start. Uh, I really like what KJ Wallace does when KJ Wallace. I would agree. He's just physical, and he actually made a couple tackles in those one on one drills. Um, he gets beat, but he's there and he fights. He's competitive. Yeah. He's he's uh, kind of wired. Um, yeah, he's got that feel. You guys might have a little something loose that makes him was a good kind of, player, right? Kind of a question I heard right. from talking to people yeah. around him. There's like he. When he gets beat, he's kind of, like, pulls back a little bit. I didn't, I don't know. Really no, I haven't like I sensed that, that at all. No,
0: I haven't sensed that at all. And, of course, Harrison Leonard oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, course. certainly flashed. Jay Bramblett, player of the day as well one day. Jay Bramlett. So we were really excited about seeing Bramlett punt again, and they worked on punting ex- with
1: everything the punt. There was no ball at times when they were working with everybody, or the ball would be there, and they wouldn't snap it. Right. It was just like, you know what, I'm not going to chart what's going on. Right now, this is some time to relax. But Bramble has been player of the day, not the day we not saw day where we, we saw. thought he was good. So yeah. that's a good sign. Yeah.
0: Uh, D.A. Dixon, 408. Obviously, no quarterback controversy, but do you find it odd that Phil Djokovic has been a practice player of the day and Ian Book hasn't?
1: No. Not. Clint Cream I think has not being, been player of the day. Robert Hainsey has not been player of the day. Being a no. practice player of the day is equally important to Blue Gold Game MVP. It just it happens yeah. and then it doesn't matter. And it's
0: anymore. more important to for somebody that's not established to be named it, I would think. I took it as, know, I don't think Julian
1: Oquarez like has a trophy in his dorm room now or his apartment. Like, <laughs> hey, Although was, he has been named yes, player of the, the day. I was practiced player of the day on August eighth. I uh I took it as Drakovic made such great strides from day one or two to day four when he won it. Yeah. He won day four, then so that's why yeah. he was named player of the day. Mm-hmm. And he would have could have been named Offensive player of the day now, yesterday. Now, if for strides he made, had he not been named it earlier, because he looked much better. I,
0: has Ian Book looked his best? I would say no. He overshot a couple deep balls again yesterday, uh, which he had done a really good job of throwing during the spring. But he overshot a couple passes, and I, you know, I thought. Remember, we on the first day, we thought he held on to the ball a little too long yeah. time. So he hasn't. I mean, it, it, in, with respect to the question.
1: I don't know that book has been at, at his peak the two times we've seen him. My critique of book day one was more if we're gonna hyperanalyze Phil Dracovic, Ian Book wasn't great today either. <laughs> you know, I mean that's right. one of those things oh, no, where exactly. we had to report really what's yeah. going on. So that's that was kind of I don't I'm not worried about book. I just thought well none of them were any good that yeah. day. We actually made that joke watching the day one practice. These quarterbacks stink. <laughs> st- <laughs> I don't really mean it that way, but when we were watching at the time, where's like, Man, no, where's
0: <laughs> Nolan Henry? Where's, get in yeah, there, get, kid.
1: Get in there. Krolfs43, forty-three. How is the competition between the offensive line and defensive line, specifically the interior, with the run game? How is the middle of the D holding up against what should be a solid offensive line?
0: Um, I wanted to answer this question because I made some comments about Tagovailoa, Amosa, and some people seem to be offended that I didn't say he's going to be great. Well, look—you just lo- you lost Tillery and Bonner, and now they're replaced by by MTA and Heinisch. I mean, I don't, I don't think you. you I probably feel better about while wow, the backups are really, those are really good backups. But I mean, are, is
1: is MTA? Do we know that he's a starting defensive tackle at this level? At the playoff level, like Jerry Tillery, right? That's the level we're talking about right now. He's a fine player, but we're we're not talking eight and five anymore, are we? No. So then, that's the question. No, and you always play to the bar that
0: you're you have raised it to. Right. Um. And so. The the bar is playoff level, and 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 again, in fairness, Tagovailoa Mosso made a tremendous play on the goal line against Jafar Armstrong yesterday. But we thought that the the interior offensive line got the best of the interior defensive line yesterday.
1: I certainly did. Yeah, there, without a question. I, I, and in the blue oh, goal, yeah, game, yeah.
0: and yeah. in the blue goal game as well,
1: right? Right. Yes. And then so, other scrimmage we, or practice on Sunday didn't matter. There weren't any pads. So what we've seen right, recently, right? Yeah. Right.
0: So I mean, I'm just I'm just saying that. Be careful before we anoint the in, the the interior defensive line is okay. It'll be as, you know, they'll pick up where they left off. I just don't know that we can say
1: that. No, they won't, and it will really show because their linebackers are also not going to pick up where they left off. It's just it's a bad combination of things uh, when you have a interior defensive line that's just okay. And linebackers, where you don't know what the heck they're going to be. Um, on the flip side, since they talk about the competition, Aaron Banks uh, shows no ill effects. No, not not wrong at about all. that. No, he had a yeah. good
0: day yesterday. We all thought yeah. he had a good day yesterday.
1: I thought the offensive line was really physical with the running backs. Could, you could see the approach what they have going. What Chip Long told you about Lance Taylor, it's yeah. it's it's showing in that. no, no in that Realm,
0: no doubt. But concerns there, so we'll see how that goes. We'll have an opportunity again on. Saturday to to see how the offensive line does against the defensive line. Uh, F.S. Castillo, in evaluating Jacob Lacey and Jamion Franklin, is there a scenario where Franklin takes over the bulk of the second team reps?
1: Mm, I don't see it. (laughs) I don't know how that would happen unless Lacey got hurt. I mean, I think that Franklin, unfortunately, is probably closer to Howard Cross and Hunter Spears than he is to Jacob Lacey and uh, Jason Adabalola. I think that's exactly right. And he would I, not fit on your best third-team player. No, he wouldn't, but I think it's good news that he's taking 11-on-11 11 11 full-contact reps because then he can help you for whatever games you need as a third-string. Right, and concept. Lacey. I mean, they love Lacey. He's not going to be unseated. Yeah, I think this would be a good competition that I would favor Lacey And as a true freshman had Franklin not gotten hurt last year, other than he would probably mm-hmm. be a little functionally stronger. But Lacey has more athleticism than yes. Franklin. Franklin's a, uh, you know, a small-box player that... I think they will need during the year, and it's great that he's already back because I didn't think we would see him hitting in Culver, and Spears is hitting in Culver too. Spears looks like he needs to drop some of the weight he might have gained during. Uh, that's just the a injury, t- like she, freshman Spears year like, thing. Yeah. That's a rebuild for him, yeah,
0: which is yeah, fine. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree, and I, I don't even know if it's fair to expect him to look better. better no, than no, he right physically. Once
1: again, the playoffs. Bark, does he get in there and help? You know that's all. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I think great news that Franklin is playing one 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 assess the talent of the second and third string offensive linemen. Would you feel comfortable with any of them starting multiple games like Aaron Banks did last year?
0: I I mean maybe Josh Lugg you would feel yeah. uh, comfortable with uh, him starting multiple game games like Aaron Banks, but I think Aaron Banks' ceiling is much higher, so my comfort level wouldn't be the same. Um, Trevor Ruland's the backup left guard and. <clears throat> I mean, I think everybody, as long as he's strong enough and has recovered enough, I think everybody feels comfortable if he has to play in a game. I like what Colin Grunhardt does. Because he always wins against the second string. Yeah, I <laughs> he mean, does. I, I just think that he does a really good job. I've always, I like John Dirksen um, since high school days. He hasn't shown anything yet necessarily or proven anything yet. I would not feel uh, good about Andrew Christoffick having to play. Um And he, you know, he won't. They'd move Banks out there. They'd move Lug out there. But they don't want to move Lug out there. And they don't want to move. They already moved Lug to tight end. Yeah, right. (laughs) They don't want to move uh, Banks. to. I was arguing with this because I said that the loss of Quinn Carroll was fairly significant, I think was the term that I used. Fairly significant because he's the best freshman. They don't want Lug to play tackle. They really don't want Banks to play tackle. They don't want Patterson to have to flip out the tackle. So and Lug is already having
1: to play tackle now. Right, so right. That's,
0: so I mean, it's fair. Is that fair? I yeah. mean, it's fairly it's relevant for sure Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. I think I drew a line at eight guys that they are comfortable putting in the game, and you mentioned them: five starters plus Lug, Grunhard, and Trevor Ruland, and then they would be a little worried that. Is, is the Carol game would, New Mexico, or next. is the game Boston College? Carroll would be next. But he's uh, not. But he's not. No, I'm saying yeah. he'd be number nine. Right. Is the game Boston College? Is the game Georgia? Where I'm not so comfortable with the backups, obviously. Or is the game New Mexico? Now, in New Mexico, Cole Mabry has improved enough, and I think Chip Lon has told this to you guys. He's. We thought Cole Mabry was like the end of the roster going this spring, and Cole Mabry is now just a... He's not, a, he's not going in to play playoff-level backup football, but against... He'll play a couple games because they should get him in there against Bowling Green and New Mexico and some teams like that.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. The door, you know, I mean, the door sometimes kind of shuts pretty quickly on guys. Uh, Dylan Gibbons, I think, would kind of be an example of that at this point, although he was injured in the spring. So yeah,
1: I feel like Dirksen could have shut that door.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, We're not sure about that. You know, Olmstead kind of seems like a guy that's trending in that direction. And sometimes you just, when a guy comes in, you, you sometimes know Micah Jones. We 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 knew he was not going to be a significant player, and it, it's 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 worked out that way.
1: Uh, and Jim Booney, go ahead, Jim underscore Booney, CRS. How serious is the place kicking competition? I think it's serious. I mean, any conversation you have with somebody in the group is like, we want to have a com- we want to have a competition, you know. And if Dorr wins it, great. If he doesn't, they'll roll with that. Um, but it's they're sort of scholarship agnostic in how they view Harrison Leonard versus Jonathan Dor as they should be. As they should be. And as Brian Kelly was when he came over to uh, from Cincinnati, and Nick Tausch had hit 14 of 17 kicks, and David Ruffer flat out beat him out as a walk-on in camp. Just walked in and beat him out as yeah. a walk-on, because the kicker competition, they're going to chart it. And they're going to chart pressure, every kick, pressure kicks and kicks that they would do doing games and whoever looks better will start. It's not going to be, well, he's a junior. That's not part of the kicking competition.
0: I mean, what if it you know, like yesterday it seemed it seemed lopsided because it's 4 for 7 versus 5 for 5, but if it's closer than that, do, do you you don't think they'd give Dora like the benefit of the doubt? No, I think it goes the okay. other
1: way. If it, I think Dora, they would want Dora to win it and be better at it as a junior because they've already replaced Dora a couple times <coughs> as a kickoff specialist, you know? Yeah. It, Maybe I'm wrong when I say it would go the other way. Like, the benefit of the doubt, I don't think the benefit of the doubt goes to the veteran in this case, because I think they <coughs> well they would expect not, him to be yeah, better. Yeah, and he's not really a veteran, right. you know.
0: Uh, I've got a couple more questions to add on here, guys. Uh, at, uh, from at Lom 7 what do you believe the ceiling is for the offensive line? Most experts have Georgia's offensive line number one. Could Notre Dame's be in the top
1: five nationally? Mm, I you know I don't know enough that's about the issue with lines, five yeah I know it's not as good as Georgia um but by the way Georgia's offensive line I think averages 322 pounds yeah it's a big group. um so I think it will be good um I thought last year's line would, would have been good too sometimes it was then bars got hurt and then it wasn't <laughs> that's the fair that's and the then it was just sort issue. of average I thought um if I'd say if Notre Dame's line could be as good as it was for the first half of the Stanford game last year, that would be a win to me. Yeah, I would expect them to be I would expect them to be a better line than last year. I guess I've been saying this for thirteen months now. I expect yeah. them to be a better line than last year's. I don't expect them to be um a better line than two thousand seventeen. But the key is again, twenty seventeen line had a couple games where they weren't great. Don't have those games be not great against Georgia and yeah, Michigan, right. right? I mean, you can. It's hard to grade an offensive line other than the big games they play because Notre going to win some games by twenty-five points, and there's going to be some mistakes on the offensive line. It, but what matters is the tough games.
0: Yeah, and even the even what we would consider a great offensive line in twenty seventeen, yeah, they didn't have a great day against Miami. No, they 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 struggled. It wasn't but, their fault
1: they lost, but they clearly weren't totally protecting. Right.
0: If the if, right. the if the if the yeah. question was, do well I either? think Notre Dame could be a top ten? offensive line i would say yeah i top think top so. 5 and i'm and i and i can't i'm not going to sit here right now and name who those 5 are i'm not in a position to do that right now but that's certainly not the top 10 no uh, yeah well but I, I you know what it's like when people ask these kind of questions we don't we we haven't or like your is is that a top 100 recruit well i didn't i haven't seen all the top 200 players but i know what top 100 players look like for ha- because I've looked at them for the last 30 years <laughs> right.
1: that's, that's a good so call. you jet ge- right i mean yeah. so
0: you generally rate it based upon mm-hmm. that and I top five I'm not sure that Notre dame's offensive line has that ceiling because tommy Kramer hasn't been there yet Robert Hansey's not the prototypical right tackle uh Jared Patterson's in his first year I would hesitate to even i mean I kind of hesitate with top 10 top 15 definitely I definitely have a top 10
1: ceiling though Ceiling. Top I, think they have, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Kramer's good. Yes, they top will 10. Be, yeah. I would say if Kramer's good and Patterson's what we think, they're top 10. Right.
0: And if, if Nordheim's interior offensive line is now regularly beating Nordheim's interior defensive line, then Tommy Kramer must be doing something. There. Yeah,
1: top five is you're getting to elite. A lot of pro prospects that are coming out this year. I, I need to quit seeing on the message board about what's going to happen if Eichenberg and Kramer why, leave. Why is, is their, what do you mean they're going to leave? Where are they going to go? We're, why is everybody. What? Why does everybody think like that Steve Elmer yeah. leaving? <laughs> like that kind of thing? No. <laughs>
0: why does does everybody think that Liam meikenberg's on the verge of being a first-round draft choice? I, I don't. I, I, he's on the verge of becoming a good much player. better than he was yeah. last year, and a good player. And I believe in him. I think he's tough, and I think Me he's too. going be very yeah. good. But he's not going anywhere. But the notion that he's going pro as we sit here right now, at, at the at 13 games from now,
1: especially after yesterday's practice. Yeah, I mean, I
0: don't really know what people <laughs> well, are in the in pro, pro. It,
1: yeah. Guess what? In the pros, everyone's Julian O'Quarre. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good players so in the pros too. I will say uh, pro football focus, and I'm unable to pull up after all this effort, put uh, a uh, top 10 offensive line grades coming back, and Notre Dame was in the top 10. Um, right next to Michigan, by the way, for your uh, first-rate series, so that was a fun right one. Right next and to... And Georgia was number one. Yeah, but, but I had
0: Michigan 2 and Notre Dame 3 on their schedule, and <laughs> I...
1: And then I blew it, uh, yeah. And then, uh, but I, I'm not sure if this is invalid or not. But people lost their minds. Oh, it was top 15 because Tennessee was number 15, and there were 4,000 Tennessee fans going crazy about how Tennessee shouldn't be in the top 15. No. So maybe then. Very, very few teams actually like their offensive line that they stop. follow. I mean, I think that's sort of yeah. – that's a good point. Nobody's like, I love my offensive yeah. line, except for Georgia, in the same way that in 2017 Notre Dame fans were yeah. like, I love this offensive yeah. line.
0: Let me, let me amend my comment and say Notre Dame ceiling is definitely top ten. Right. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: at Murphy's underscore law, have you seen anything from – I'm going to list five guys here. Micah Jones, Jonathan Jones, Ovia Gofu, Kofi Wardlow, and DJ Brown.
1: No, no, yes, no, no.
0: Micah Jones, have we seen anything from Micah Jones? No. no. I saw more last August, actually, from Micah Jones, to put it in perspective, I guess. Uh, Jonathan Jones is not, is nowhere in sight of the top four
1: in the depth chart. He, uh, I talked about this with some colleagues. Base. He seems to be in the, he is teaching the younger players great. and is a mentor, and that's, that's he's accepted. And that's a good thing. And that's, he'll have a role he on special teams. Right. Great. God bless him. That's a great thing.
0: Ovia goofo or a goo, a Gofu.
1: He's the yes. Yeah, he's Is the strip yes. Strip in the first practice. Yep. I mean, this season you won't see anything from him other than special teams. There's, there are zero reps to go around. Um, right. So, but I, I think he continues to look like yep. This guy will be a good player down the road. I have a fairly relevant note on a Gofu from watching the end of practice. They split up before the scrimmage during the multiple special teams drills with no ball. Right. He went and did defensive line work and was sent over to do special teams work. The only one come running over. So it was get my reps in, get over there because well, you're he, starting on special teams he is and that an was an absolute
0: the... starter on the coverage yes. teams, yeah. no doubt about that. Wardlow is not seeing the light of day. DJ Brown kind of kind of mixed. I know that I know that Clark Lee said some positive things about to about him to me this summer, but he's very banged up yesterday. Doesn't look like he's close to uh, they have today off. Doesn't look like he was close to being able to practice this weekend.
1: Yeah, not a speed player to begin with. No, and has been slow. No, but
0: but Hetty, a guy that a guy that Clark Lee likes the way he sees
1: the game. Now it needs to translate physically. They don't. I mean, you don't need a fourth safety, but over the course of the year, you do. Um, They got to get him back to possibly be that fourth. Well, that's why Sean Crawford is. That's
0: one of the reasons why Sean Crawford is is uh, cross training there. And then finally, last question from at ND ninety four Bill. Listening to everything that reporters are saying since practice started, it's hard not to conclude that this year's team is better than last year's team. If the two thousand nineteen team played the two thousand eighteen team, who would win? Eighteen. Yeah, I don't agree with the premise that we're. We're not saying we're uh, not maybe saying maybe other outlets are right. saying that this team's gonna be better than last year's team. Uh we're not saying that because that's impossible to say without Tillery, Bonner, Tranquil, Coney, Love.
1: Yes. Uh, Boykin. Boykin also Boykin. was pretty yeah. good. And Bars was fine. Dexter Williams. You know? Dexter, Dexter Williams, Williams. Mustafer. I mean, look, I think Patterson's gonna be good. Mustapher is if you're senior. I I've said this on multiple radio shows I've been on when I asked about what's the prognosis for the season. Last year's team would not go undefeated against this year's schedule, but I still like last year's team more than I like this year's team. And I would have liked last year's team going into the Georgia situation more, too. Uh, uh, yeah. With the change to book, because you have dudes like Tillery and Love out there, and Coney and Tranquil to hold it down. Um, it's actually, and it is, I'm going to make my own point here or not, but when Notre Dame opened with Michigan last year, I thought to myself, oh, I would just, I guarantee they would just, Handle this team if Nelson and McGlinchey were here from the previous year. Now they beat them anyway, but they didn't handle them up front, and yeah. that would have been that would have been a, a, a beating if you have McGlinchey and Nelson going in there. And that's how I feel. Love on the outside against with pride against inexperienced Georgia receivers, and from you really negate from if you have two really good corners against inexperienced receivers, and then you have Tillery in the middle, Coney and Tranquil. I don't know how you make the argument that this is a better team. You can't make the argument it's a better team because the back of the roster is better. Yeah, that's just never, a fun I'm, thing to talk I'm about. I'm never
0: going to pick a team that is better offensively but took a step back defensively. I'm never going
1: to say that. Especially that teams are, at the spine positions, like the middle of exactly, the defense. Exactly. We like the team. We're not. I'm just saying. Why would no, you say they're? Is, thir- why would you say they're 12 and 0 and going to win the first playoff game as opposed to last year's team that I thought could win that game? Other than they ran into one of the best, yeah. of the best teams of all time, it's, honestly. I want to be better
0: on the – I want – I would want my team to be better on the defensive side of the ball as opposed to improved on offense. Yeah,
1: it's like Clark Lee told you, like, <coughs> try to funnel running plays. Yeah, whoever says that. Like, that, you never hear that. Like, our ideal is to have them run outside. Like, what? At, I mean, well, we'll see how it works out. It's, no, it's it, a very unconventional. But you move. understand what he's—he's he's trying to protect his young inside yeah. linebackers, or which is just hard to do. I mean, it's like there are certain positions that you can't really protect, and I feel like inside linebacker is one of those.
0: positions. Well, it's—it's it's a good point. But he likes—he obviously he likes his defensive ends being able to. Oh yeah. You know the the offensive tackle can't cross Khalid Kareem's mm-hmm. face if if that's right. the case then he can hold up outside. You've got a bigger corner in Dante Vaughn, although Julian Love was a great tackling cornerback.
1: I want to say that we didn't talk about Dante Vaughn this whole podcast. He had a good camp uh, in Culver. And you are replacing Julian Love when you're asking about who is a better defense at this point or a better team overall. Because I I would love to have Dante Vaughn backing up Julian Love right now with his fine camp.
0: No, but I'm glad you brought Dante Vaughn up because... The one thing that I would say about Dante Vaughn, having seen him practice now twice, he looks the part. He's he's looking the part. So far, he's looking the part. We'll see if he can build upon that. Practice is open once again to the media on Saturday. Tim and I will have an instant analysis after that. Uh, Monday's practice, we will get an hour. Is that correct? We get an hour of observation, and then our intent is to have a podcast immediately after that. Our schedule, just a little bit of a reminder, our schedule um, for podcasts, because Nord Dame's schedule during the season might is going to change, is going to alter a little bit. We'll let you know when that time comes, but until then... I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us.
1: It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code irish2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code irish2019.